Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Hi, this is Dr. John Townsend, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hi, this is Taya Kyle, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hey, this is Alex Holroyd with Young Life, and you're listening to Life Giver. Welcome to another episode of the Life Giver Podcast. This is Corey Weathers. I am so excited to continue our conversation with Chaplain Timothy Mallard on moral and spiritual injury. Before I get to that, though, I wanted to make a quick announcement about changes in the podcast. Many of you who have been listening for a long time have gotten very used to a podcast episode coming out twice a month and usually the podcast episodes are about 45 minutes to an hour and I've decided to make a small change in that you'll still get all the amazing interviews and all the amazing topics but instead I'm actually going to be putting out episodes that are about 30 minutes in length every week so you can count on some of our interviews that may be an hour long just broken into two parts and that's a good example of what we're going to do with the rest of Chaplain Mallard's interview. So if you already listened to the first episode, he talked a lot about moral and spiritual injury and how he defined those and really put some meat on the bones of that conversation. And that episode is about an hour in length. And this part two is going to be about 30 minutes in length and you'll see a part three coming your way next week. So again, you're going to see episodes now every single week and um, they're going to be a little bit shorter and I think a little bit easier to digest. So I'm excited about this next season of the podcast and thanks for joining me. And hopefully you're joining me from the Life Giver app. If you aren't, it is free. It's available for Android and Apple devices. And some of the episodes you can actually watch or listen to. So if you're not listening on the app, I hope that you will download it on your phone. Um, Otherwise, you might be listening through iTunes or Stitcher. So thank you guys so much for joining me and back to my interview with Chaplain Timothy Mallard. Before we get to what I think is what a lot of people are are kind of wanting to hear, which is how do we start to mend soul soul injury, spiritual injury? You know, I just want to kind of reframe to make sure that I, um, I'm understanding you correctly, that as it relates to those that are listening that, um, and maybe this happens within the first responder community as well, but mm-hmm. as we find ourselves professional warriors mm-hmm. or professional warrior families mm-hmm. even, that we have been called to this life of service, that it's it's something that we live and breathe and, and all of our decision-making, What sometimes decisions are made for us, sometimes we make decisions in light of what this calling is. Right. There really is no escaping um, this calling on our life and revolving around it. And so what I hear you saying is when we find ourselves being put in leadership positions and taking on extra responsibility, that when we are also carrying moral injury, soul injury, and taking on then responsibility on top of that, the temptation to further isolate yourself, the temptation to be um, moving away from community where we would experience authenticity, mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. like you said, um, if warriors come back and they're scattered all over the place, they don't have that place mm-hmm. to be authentic and talk about it, that that responsibility and the mounting pressures of that responsibility can 
add to it yep. and even bring more opportunities for moral failings, mm-hmm. um, just to not functioning well in that leadership role, not functioning well within the family, right. um, and not going through these concentric circles of how it's impacting them socially in an, in an interactive way and actually mm-hmm. fixing the problem. It actually can magnify it. Absolutely. So the, the threat, really, of moral and or spiritual injury, the threat is isolation, mm. right? And, and, you know, theologically, I might say that that's the temptation, and the temptation yeah. is increasing isolation. The Increase, Yeah. And, and so I'm just going to withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. And, and what you're pointing out, rightly so is, however, that the more I withdraw, um, the more I am perhaps unconsciously becoming self-aware of, of who I am and who God is and who are who who are those around me and how I'm relating to them. The more I withdraw. Right. So the more isolated I become, which is my natural sort of response to trauma, the less self-aware I become. The less. Okay. And, and then, as you're pointing out, you know, there are all kinds of other contextual factors, let's say promotion, increasing responsibility, uh, moves, all these other things that might increase my lack of self-awareness. Mm. Right mm. and further exacerbate or 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 push me into um, increased isolation. So if if the threat is isolation and the way I, I um, the way I experience that is is an increasing lack of uh, self awareness or unreflectivity. What's the antidote? What's the solution? And I think it's increased relationships. Mm-hmm. And the first increased relationship that I think that we need to work on is within the safe space of the family system. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you asked, okay, in a sort of practical way, how can, how can families that are dealing with this um, address this? I think the first um, thing that, that families have to do um, uh, is to, uh, as I have categorized it, they have to be the mirror as it were, to the warrior to reflect back to him or her that warrior's woundedness. How does and, someone do that? Well, that and do it well. Well, you have to do it. <laughs> you have to do it with obviously um, compassion, um, a sense of empathy and affirmation. Not perhaps complete understanding of that of the experience of the trauma, but compassion um, and affirmation, and a willingness to. Uh, to walk with the warrior through that journey. So that the first sense of renewed relationship is between the warrior and the family. And thus, the, in, a, in a healthy family system, the, the, the trauma that, that produced the moral and or spiritual injury in the warrior um, is no longer only their woundedness, it's our woundedness. And more importantly, now, your healing becomes our healing. I obviously and, love this. <laughs> and, 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 and this becomes, that's, that's why, and again, another contextual factor with the breakdown in the family system in America, mm-hmm. this has not helped many warriors effectively have the space to deal with this within, within the family system. So anyway, the family, first of all, has to be willing to confront, I think, gently, but with courage, empathy, and affirmation 
the warrior. This this is what we see uh, about you. It's not perhaps unanalogous to you know an intervention on the part of uh, an alcoholic family mm-hmm. to the alcoholic, but um, but I, I think it's um, I, I think it's um, I think there has to be a, a real sense. It's a chance for the family to renew its commitment to one another mm-hmm. as a unit. You know, I, we we're, we're, we love you too much to let you continue to live like this. Um, we can't understand completely what you went through, and nor do we perhaps need to know. But um, we are yours. You are ours. We are in this together. Your woundedness is our woundedness. Your healing is our healing. Mm-hmm. Um, we will go through this together, and so that eventually. On, on the far side, when the family system has has reached a point of now healthful rebalance um, in the wake of combat trauma, what I have what I've seen and in fact experienced in my own family, but in other healthy healthy families, is now this becomes a part of our witness externally to mm-hmm. to the community, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have lived through this, um, and we have not only survived, but we've recovered from it. This is much like we would do with any victim of trauma. This has become a part of who we are, but it doesn't control who we are. This um, has impacted us, but it doesn't define us. And yet we can say that we have, with God's help, come out of this. So I think the first, uh, if, again, if the, if the threat is isolation, um, then the antidote or the, the, the the cure is increased relationships, as painful as those are. So painful. Right, right because the, again, the tendency is, no, 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 I don't want to touch that pain, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we have to, we have to deal with that holistically within the safe space of the family. Now, and, and I'll, I'll give you, let me just kind of follow a thread here and then allow you time to feedback. I, I mentioned that if, if the warrior increasingly becomes isolation, isolated, self-isolated, they, they experience an increasing also lack of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. My experience has been in helping families deal with this, that now you're already creating greater awareness within the family system. Mm-hmm. And, and once the family system has, has accepted and dealt with this trauma and the warrior has, has reintegrated, now the warrior begins to experience greater self-awareness. They become attuned to some of the triggers, mm-hmm. some of the unhealthful manifestations of what they experienced before. And they can actually cognitively control that and think, no, that's not a behavior. That's, that's a tendency I might have gone to before as a response to this. But I know that self-medicating through alcohol or dealing with, you know, it, it, expressing this through, you know, a, a distant affair through, you know, Internet pornography or whatever, you know, um, that that's not health, healthful. It's not healthful to me. It's not healthful to us. And we've committed to healing together as a family. So the, the, that first repair of relationships increases self-awareness. And then it, it, it I think, um, gives that warrior and the family the ability to increase their further connections out into the community, maybe especially and initially to a community of faith. This is who we are in God's image. This is this is what we what we've experienced, and we're willing to live this out within our community of faith, our body of faith, and then also perhaps the army, or you know, in our in our context in the military, the nation, and then certainly to God. 
So is it okay if I? Yeah, please. Okay. So, um, if I'm understanding you right, I, you know this is one of the reasons why I, I love clinical work as far mm-hmm. as in the office and there's a, a place for that. And I think, like you even said, speaking with um, a social worker that helped you process mm-hmm. and beca- begin the at least the journey of self-awareness mm-hmm. um, and having that safe place. And so I deeply value, obviously, that clinical relationship and Absolutely. that process. But one of the things that is very important to me that is probably one of the reasons why I stepped away from, I mean, I still do clinical work, mm-hmm. but why I enjoy the podcast or why I enjoy these conversations is because to me, there's good work that can be done in, in confidence. Mm-hmm. But even in confidence, at some point, year after year after year, becomes another avenue of isolation. Yeah. And I'm yes. not saying that you should not not go to counseling. What I'm saying is, to me, a part of healing is moving us towards that direction where we can be at a place when it's time Mm -hmm. to be able to engage the community and tell our story. Yes. When it's time. Right. And so when you're saying to be able to take your story, uh, if I'm understanding it right, Mm -hmm. at some point and being able to go to that next circle, to be able to go, we've done this work, we've worked really hard on our family, we've made your healing our healing, there's a next step to that. Mm-hmm. There is, we have to go to, there's other people that are hurting. There's mm-hmm. other people that need to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that your story has to be fully complete, you know, perfectly healed, because I don't think we have that this side of heaven. Right. I think that we have this place where with the help of your family, maybe even professionals, whatever that looks like, to be able to say, what can, how can I bring purpose out of pain? Mm-hmm. How do I, some pain is never gonna, 9-11 is never gonna make sense. Right. It's never, but can we bring purpose in being able to pay that forward right. as we move out in those circles? So you've hit on the key word. Um, when, when I originally wrote on, on delineating moral and spiritual injury as twin wounds of war, I, I posited 12 markers of spiritual injury in a person. So somebody can go read that if they, if they want to. But one of those markers just one of the 12 that I have seen warriors deal with are profound theological questions centered around identity, meaning, and purpose, Mm -hmm. right? So out of this trauma, who am I? What does this mean in my life? And now existentially, what, what's my purpose in the wake of this, Mm -hmm. you know, for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, finding a way to take that woundedness on the part of the warrior and the family, that healing on the part of the warrior and the family, and then reframe purpose, either individually or collectively, is an incredible gift to, um, to our communities and to our nation. And, and here's, here's one of the reasons why. Because um, in the words of the great theologian Bugs Bunny, as I like to call it, um, I don't like pain, it hurts me. <laughs> you know, that, that's the, that's, the, that's the, the ethos of our, of our culture. Mm-hmm. We want to do everything that we can to medicate away pain, to buy some sort of you know, antidote, to, to do anything to get away from it. We, we, we delude ourselves, mm-hmm. in, ultimately, into... Um, thinking that death is somehow an aberration 
you know, that, that, that it doesn't really happen. It happens to other people. But, but 99% of the world rightly understands, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in poorer cultures, mm-hmm. uh, death is a part of life. Mm-hmm. And this side of death in life, suffering is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that moral and or spiritual injury and the suffering that they produce within our lives, in fact, can be, ironically, and I don't mean to minimize this, but tremendous gifts. Mm-hmm. That suffering teaches me about human nature for in, within myself, human nature as I relate to my family, human nature as I relate to my community, human nature as I relate to my profession, human nature as I relate to you know, the nation, human nature as I relate to God. Because going back to our original, uh, you know, observation that God is present in my suffering, God knows about suffering. Mm-hmm. From my perspective as a Christian theologian, he experienced that suffering in his son on the cross mm-hmm. and, and felt that pain of that ruptured relationship, but also then the joy of reconciliation. And, and renewed relationship, um, that, that, mm-hmm. that the isolation existentially in death was overcome now in life, um, and in a, in a very sort of microcosmic way. Um, spiritual injury replicates that same truth within our own lives and can become an extremely profound gift for understanding about ourselves and the world, uh, and perhaps even, dare I say, wisdom. That's not a word that gets talked about a lot. We talk about knowledge, we talk about information, we talk about data. We don't often talk about wisdom. Uh, I would much rather have that gift than I would the, these, these other things. So um, again, I don't want to minimize um, the suffering that people experience, not at all. And to a very real extent, I and my family continue to live with the effects of many of our original injuries. Mm-hmm. My, my original injury in, 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 in combat. Um, I, I experienced both moral and spiritual injury, right? <clears throat> um, without going in, into detail. And I still live with those. We still live with those. But they don't define us. And we have achieved a point of, again, witness as a family. Um, it's become our shared project. Um, and, uh, and yet I think an ability to, from a perspective of wisdom, from that experience, be able to witness to the culture about what can be in the wake of that. So, again, increased relationships are the antidote to isolation. Um, I think that begins first with a family, but then I think after the family, there has to be an intentionality on the part of the family system. And it doesn't mean that somebody might write it an article about this, their experience or something. All I'm saying is that the family then has to find helpful ways of saying this is a part of who we are as a family system to the community around them. It may start with a community of faith. It may start with a civic community. I don't know. Um, I, I think that would go back a long way back around to one of our earlier observations about the American way of war and the separation between our professional military fighting force and our nation, I think that would go a long way toward creating bridges of, of, of understanding between our warrior families, our warriors and their families in the communities we serve. Um, but then 
that can infuse then greater uh, renewal of relationships to the Army to the point that we're, you know, I consider myself sort of a, a living example of this. I mean, I honestly thought that there was a point I've had some physical injuries where I thought, and, and even doctors have told me, you need to leave the Army. <clears throat> and I've certainly had a point with, with um, some of the lingering, uh, particularly spiritual injuries for me where I thought I can't go on anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I professionally, I, I can't continue in this, in this context. I, I'm going to have to leave. Um, and that became a matter of prayer, though. And in discipleship, I just felt, we felt, God was saying, not yet, keep serving, keep serving. And now I'm glad that I did. The, uh, I, I think that I can speak now to the profession in, in a way, in the wake of you know, writing and thinking about this and experiencing this, that I couldn't have done mm-hmm. you know, 30 years ago when I started out as a second lieutenant. Um, <clears throat> maybe it's my own way of attempting to offer the wisdom of some of my and, and our experiences. If I can do this for, if I can still do this within this profession, and and give hope to to warriors and their families, then that's what I'll continue to do as long as I can do it. So. Well, I know you definitely do that for our family, and I'm glad that you've stayed in. <laughs> and so, um, I'd like to um, clarify sure. um, with a question, and then I have maybe a bigger question that we can kind of close with. Because um, I could go on for days. I'm sure you could too, because it's so fascinating. So um, I think that this is really giving um, people words to pain that they have uh-huh. okay. and um, and solutions forward. And so, you know, I'm thinking about the clarifying question is as I'm thinking about again those concentric circles and how, you know, we you're challenging us as a family to be that mirror and to mm-hmm. make that woundedness our woundedness, that our healing, you know, your healing, our healing, and mm-hmm. then moving out into the community and. And, um, and again, you know, we put God on the outside of that as kind of that most distant thing that we often want to push away mm-hmm. the most. Right. <clears throat> um, I get a lot of questions from um, a lot of supporting spouses, really, mm-hmm. that um, see their serving spouse really struggling with this, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. relationship with God and wrestling with this, is there a God? If there was a God, why would he allow such evil? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just these theological questions yes. that he's keeping God at a, not, I'm using stereotypes of he, but um, again, you brought up sexual trauma, mm-hmm. childhood trauma, you mm-hmm. know, all of those things that make us question theologically, is there a God? And mm-hmm. if there were a mm-hmm. God, how do I resolve this um, rift mm-hmm. that can feel like it's, again, I think it's that isolation that you pointed out, that lie, the mm-hmm. temptation to say, mm-hmm. God doesn't understand me. So are you saying that maybe part of that healing, if community and the opposite of isolation, mm-hmm. that community is that antidote, mm-hmm. are you saying that resolving that rift with God, mm-hmm. that kind of last step, mm-hmm. is that as we've gone through and experienced understanding within the family, understanding within the community, when we can share our story and they go, oh, I get that, me too, or I may understand part of that, or thank you for sharing your story, or I needed to hear that, or mm-hmm. that understanding what that happens within community, right. that healing that peace with God is, you know, I know this is coming again from our Christian faith, uh, you know, but is this healing with God, 
are you saying comes from this place of realizing that we have a God that also understands that we have a God that we can have not that isolation that Mm -hmm. it's, we don't have to be afraid of that relationship with God, but that we can heal that relationship with God because it's an extension of community, but also an extension that God understands Mm -hmm. relates to that moral and spiritual injury. Yes. Is that the answer to that question of, is there a God or or whatever it is that they're questioning? Right. So um, when I originally wrote about moral and spiritual injury, and I said that there were 12 markers, that that only one of those 12 markers were uh, sort of introspective questions about identity, meaning, and purpose. Most of the other 12 markers deal with um, deeper theological issues such as um, uh, questions about God's sovereignty and or providence. You know, God, why did you allow this to happen today? Questions about um, um, the effects of sin in the world, such as around justice and reconciliation. This can't be right what I've seen. How do we reconcile this with a loving God and with each other? You know, so so I would encourage people to, the, the, the spiritual injury that I am trying to delineate really is centered mostly around deeply held theological even if even if a warrior can't really uh, hasn't come to a place where they can you know uh, artfully express them they're profound questions around deep theological issues because Um, i'm sorry let me interrupt you because i've heard soldiers that have said i sold my soul that day yes right so like, Just the, I can't have a relationship right, with God because exactly. I sold my soul. So that's one of the other, um, the one of the other markers and the antidotes is forgiveness. Yep, right? which was going to be so, my right? closing question. So, so um, <laughs> but I, I think I think you're 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 highlighting that you know how do we how do we also even within the family system not just emotionally but spiritually deal with. Um, moral and spiritual injury so i've talked about i've sort of highlighted emotional reconnection but the but the isolate there are other means within the family system two very practical means that i have um, families go through in terms of also wrestling theologically beginning to wrestle theologically Mm -hmm. with with these other questions are uh, doing devotions so literally reading the Psalms and Mm -hmm. discussing the Psalms. Mm -hmm. It's not without, again, a great deal of wisdom that the Psalms are called the prayer book of the Bible Mm -hmm. because they are extremely evocative. Mm -hmm. Just think of the 23rd Psalm. Mm -hmm. Let's take that that many people know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know. Um, and, And then in the middle of that Psalm, when David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's a turning point in that Psalm in which David is saying, this is the depth of my experience, but I won't fear, I will fear no evil. Mm -hmm. So it's centered around, the relationship to God is centered around human experience and our response in terms of emotion, right? So, but all 150 Psalms can be extremely evocative and powerful uh, means for discussing, for raising some of these questions. 
the mm-hmm. psalmist that points, you know, how long, oh God, will you treat me like, will you abandon me forever? You know, mm-hmm. this morning I was reading my devotion, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, what, why have you left me? Yeah, you know, so th- this is right there in in the Psalms. And so, again, it's practical. It means one of the things I have families do is just take one Psalm, read that, discuss that. It, it's mm-hmm. amazing how just that Psalm and the discussion of that raises so many um, of these, again, sublimated issues. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coryweathers.com or life-giver.org.